Season 2 of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to data center. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. To learn more about Valcom's end-to-end -end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and to sign up for upcoming events, visit their website at vlcmtech.com. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support. All right, welcome in everyone to the Cyber 24 podcast. My name is Marty Carpenter. I'm your host. We've got a great show on tap today in just a few minutes. We're going to sit down and talk with Sergeant Jeff Plank from the Utah Department of Public Safety and the uh, Cybersecurity Center. Uh, he's uh, got a great discussion for us talking about a new email scam, a phishing scam uh, that has been in the news in the last several weeks where uh, uh, the bad guys are getting, again, more and more sophisticated and they are sending out emails uh, with essentially stolen information, information that they have stolen from you when your account has been compromised in some way. They may just have your email address. They may have your email address and an old password, but they will send you an email that says, hey, you, I have your name. Here's your email address. Here's your password. I'm not messing around. I've got compromising information on you, photos, videos, whatever, a list of websites you've visited, something like that. And I'm going to publish it unless you pay me X amount. And the amounts have been pretty small so far, you know, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, up to maybe even $1,000, which isn't, of course, so small. But considering what hackers uh, can, uh, and extortionists in this case, can ask for, uh, it's actually a, sort of a lower number. That all coming up a little bit later on in the show. If you missed our last episode, go back and take a listen. Uh, we talked uh, with Mike Hussey, who is the head of the Utah Department of Technology Services, about the Cyber Center Project and what the state hopes to accomplish there. Got an update on how that progressed through the last legislative session and uh, what they hope to accomplish uh, in the upcoming legislative session to make that project more and more of a reality, including the fact that they've already uh, sort of set up a mini one, a test one, uh, within state offices and uh, shown how that works through an election. And uh, we touch a little bit on elections with that coming up as well. Good episode. Go back and take a listen to that. So, uh, all right. Before we get over to Sergeant Plank uh, today, who's essentially going to talk about these guys who've stolen your uh, you know, you've had some kind of compromise in the past. You've had people steal, um, steal your your data because you've given an email address 
uh, uh, to someone else or an email address and uh, and a password for you know the account where you order pizza or uh, you know a, a banking account or your LinkedIn account anywhere where they've maybe had a, a breach somewhere along the way uh, where someone else has lost your data and then they use that to come after you well that brought up a question that uh, that we've <laughs> it's been kind of kicking around in my head for a little while and that is uh, you know it's it's really difficult. Uh, to keep track of all the places, uh, first of all, where you've given an email address or set up an account where you've given an email address and you've created a password. So much so that we spent a whole episode in season one talking about the best way to keep track of passwords and what are uh, what are the best practice strategies for that and what, what do you do? You know, Are you still uh, one of those uh, guys that writes it down on paper and keeps it uh, close to your computer or writes it on a sticky pad and puts it behind your computer? Uh, or do you go sort of to the other side and have a service that does it? Uh, either way, no matter how careful you've been with them, and we've talked about this previously, uh, the best practice is really to keep changing those passwords often. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that if you're like me, you probably have somewhere between 75 and 100 different places where you've created some kind of of account. Like I mentioned, anything from the the account, the app on your phone where you order pizza, you got to have a password for that. Your credit card's sitting on that most likely uh, to know, you know, your your Apple or your Google accounts where you're purchasing uh, music or have a streaming music service, maybe with Spotify, uh, something along those lines. You know, if you stop to think about it for just a few minutes, your email address and a password of some kind is out there in a lot of places. And if you're like a lot of people, as we've talked about on this podcast, you probably only have so many passwords, and then you sort of recycle through them. Um, I know this is something Mike Hussey's talked about that a lot of people, even with the state, uh, you see that where not only are they still using poor passwords that they've put in place protections where you can't just use poor passwords, but you have to change them every three, you have to change them every, I think it's every 30 days or every 60 days with the state. And then uh, you, you can't reuse that one to try to get people from using you know, four passwords and, and rotating through them. So passwords continue to be sort of a, <clears throat> a tricky point, I would say. So there's this, the question that that brings up is, uh, how do I know where my email address that I've put in somewhere has been stolen? And then if you can tell me which website it's been stolen from, I should know which, uh, which password goes with that, and then I can go in and change it. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm not in such a habit where I'm going to go change it, and let's face it, almost none of us are, where you're going to go in and change it every, uh, you know, every 30 days or every 90 days or even once a year. You know, how many of you have an account out there where your password, uh, it's it's an account you've had for years. Maybe it's your email account and you set up a password and haven't ever changed it. <laughs> or if you've changed it, it's only been when, uh, you know, you've forgotten it somehow and and been forced to. Well, Interestingly enough, there is a website where you can, for free, go and see where you may have uh, some compromised information. And it's an interesting one, and it's a super simple website and, and really valuable, uh, especially if you have been part of a breach. If, if you go to this website, and then go ahead, if you're by your computer uh, or by your phone right now, uh, feel free to go do this and, and walk through this with me. With me, The website is called have I been owned.com except owned swap out the O for a P. So have I been P W N E D.com. 
someone explained to me why it's PWNED. Um, hackers out there, or not hackers, uh, computer geniuses out there, you, you'll have an understanding of that, I'm told. You'll be in on the joke for the rest of us. Uh, just trust me when I assure you that it is uh, too long of a story with uh, not not quite the joke payoff you might hope for me to explain it, so we won't spend time here. I'm sure you could look it up online or find some computer friend and see if they can explain it to you. So have I been pawned, I guess is how you'd say it. Have I been owned, but with a P instead of an O? Uh, and we'll put this up on our website if you're listening and not by a computer so you can go find it. Uh, have I been pwned.com? And it basically says, check if you have an account that has been compromised in a data breach. So you take the one field, it looks a little bit like, you know, uh, somewhat like Google's homepage in that there's only sort of one bar to type anything into um, where you can put in your email address. Now, before we do that, down below on the same homepage, it lists the largest breaches. Um, online spam bot accounts have breached 711, almost 711.5 million accounts. Uh, exploit.in accounts, 593 million. Uh, just some massive numbers as you go down uh, to, uh, to even the lowest ones that they'll rank. And it looks like they rank about, uh, say, 10 of them. Um, all of them in the hundreds of millions of accounts compromised. And then recently added breaches that they've put on there, you know, some of those getting up into the million, um, uh, but most of them sort of in the, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people uh, who've been compromised. Take a look at that when you get there. Just scroll down on the page and check that out. But if you go up and enter your email address on this, and, you know, nothing makes more exciting uh, audio, nothing makes more exciting uh, podcasting uh, than listening to someone type their email address. So I'm going to put in mine or one of mine, I guess you'd say, and and then you hit you know pawn just like you would have hit Google, and it pops up and says, uh, uh, in my case, that email account has been oh, and I've kicked off my Google thing. So uh, <laughs> well, you can't even say that word around your devices <laughs> anymore. Uh, but uh, all right, so it's popped up. And it tells me, oh no, I've been pawned uh, one breach site, but found no pastes. So someone has uh, has stolen that account, but has not pasted it. And then uh, if you go down a little bit, it'll tell you uh, where that breach came. Uh, and so you can even tell how long ago it was and whether or not anybody's used it at all and uh, and whether or not you need to go uh, change that, uh, that one. I have changed that uh, password since... Uh, the time this one was done, so you know, don't get any ideas, but it will give you a list, and it can show you, uh, you know, whether it's a work account, whether it's a personal uh, sort of Gmail, Yahoo account, whatever, uh, can show you whether or not you've been breached. So, worth five minutes of your day to go click that in and uh, see exactly how exposed your email address has been, or if you're a parent, go in and put in your kid's email address if they have email addresses already, uh, and see, uh, you know, just how how uh, vulnerable their web their email address has been. So again, that website, have I been pawned? Uh, just think of it as have I been owned.com, but switch out the O in owned for a P, and you can go take a look at that. All right, uh, something to try this week, and I uh, would love to hear uh, what your results are. You know, not specifically maybe who's stolen from you, but let us know how, how that came back on you, and uh, maybe we can continue the discussion a little further on down the road. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll sit down with Sergeant Jeff Plank from the Utah Department of Public Safety 
Uh, that's coming up next on the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valco. As the volume and complexity of endpoint attacks has continued to grow, security solutions have struggled to keep up the pace. The result? Much of today's security is reactive and slow, and that's not what you want to be. To combat this, Valcom security partner Sophos is equipped with Intercept X, a deep learning neural network that detects both known and unknown malware without relying on signatures. All right, so what does that mean? Simply put, Intercept X can stop the widest range of endpoint threats, equipping businesses with a predictive rather than a reactive approach to protecting against unknown threats. Stop attacks in their tracks with Valcom and Sophos. Learn more about Intercept X in Valcom's on-demand webinar at vlcmtech.com slash interceptx. That's vlcmtech.com slash interceptx. $300 million. That's how much money the cyber breach at FedEx cost the company, all because they were not insured for cyber breach losses. So if you're a business owner of any size, you have to ask yourself, could my business survive a hit like that? I'm guessing the answer is no. The fact is, over half a million small to medium-sized businesses will close their doors as a result of a cyber event. So what should you do to protect your business? Talk to the cyber liability professionals at Hayes Companies. At Hayes Companies, policy placement is only one step in an overall risk management approach to manage your firm's cyber liability exposure. They design a program specifically for you, customized to your business priorities. For more information, contact Dave Whitwer, 801-580-5501. That's 801-580-5501. Or visit HayesCompanies.com. That's H-A-Y-S Companies.com. Secuvant is a leading network security company specializing in creative, customized solutions that meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. They offer a wide range of services, everything from managed security and virtual CISO consulting to cyber risk advisory and data breach recovery assistance. No matter what your specific security requirements are or what your comfort level is with IT in general, Secuvant will map your cybersecurity program to the business areas that are relevant to you. Everything from brand and reputation to legal liability to intellectual property to business disruption, and so much more. For more information, call 1-855-SECUVANT or visit secuvant.com. That's S-E-C-U-V-A-N-T dot com. And welcome back to Cyber 24. Our special guest today, he's a fan favorite from last season. I think he did four or five shows with us in season one. Uh, Sergeant Jeff Plank, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Sergeant Plank from the Utah Department of Public Safety Cybercrime Unit. Going and getting those bad guys on, on the internet. Um, I want to talk to you today because you were in the news uh, late July uh, talking about a new scam that had popped up. Um, uh, what was listed, I think, publicly as a spear phishing attack, whether or not that's technically accurate, it did make me want to start with this first question. Walk us through, if you would, a little bit of a review from last season, but walk us through, if you would, the difference between a uh, phishing, spear phishing, 
and something called whaling. What what is what are those, and what are the difference between the three? Sure. So whaling is typically considered going after the big fish, right? So maybe a CEO or somebody very important, very high up in a company. Uh, Spearfishing is a little more targeted, so you're going after specific people uh, in that company that may have access to send wire transfers or things like that. Fishing is generally like, you know, almost like with a net. You're just trying to uh, get anybody you can. Yeah. Uh, Cast a line and see what, what's under the surface and exactly. what you can catch. Yes. Uh, are, are most attacks of those three, which are most prevalent? The fishing attacks because they just sort of cast a, a broader net. And is, is that accurate? That's our, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do they take less effort? Is that one of the reasons like there's sort of less buildup, less homework that goes into pulling exactly. off Exactly. You're not having to do uh, research or reconnaissance on a company. You're basically just sending it to anybody and everyone you can. And in fact, a lot of these uh, uh, individuals who do fishing will also use uh, spam companies to basically send out all of their phishing emails. Yeah. And it takes a lot of homework to go after the big whale. Just like if you were going out to catch a whale yourself, you'd have to put some forethought into that compared to how you go fish. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this attack specifically, I, I, I want to talk about this one that was that was in the news. Th- this was more of a fishing scheme than, than a spearfishing attack. Um, the, this goes back to our principle, I guess, that the bad guys are ever-evolving, that they're always trying to stay a step ahead of law enforcement, and everyone else is sort of running to catch up or in some ways to, to get ahead. Um, t- tell me exactly what was going on here. This was sort of uh, just just an evolution of other types of fishing schemes. Yeah. So what we're seeing uh, recently, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, sextortion scams out there. And typically, the sextortion scams that we see are, uh, you know, a victim is online, whether it be on Facebook or some other social media account. They get uh, a text or, you know, they get chatted up and then they are asked to go to some type of video uh, platform where they're simply asked to undress and do certain acts uh, in front of the camera. And then once they do those acts, the bad guys will then say, gotcha, uh, here's the video, we just recorded everything and now we're going to make you pay us a certain amount of money. Um, for this video to disappear. Mm-hmm. So we see that quite frequently. What we saw in July was a rash of uh, phishing emails that had gone out. And in the email itself, in the subject line, was a login and password that that particular victim used. So that login and that password was associated with the email address, right, that received the email. So that lends a little bit more... It makes it seem more valid right off the bat. Exactly. And it's it's done essentially to sort of scare people into saying, this is not just a regular, you know, you can't just blow me off. I've got your password. Right. You're immediately going to say, why does this guy have my login and my password? What does he know that I don't know? What does he have on me that I don't know that he has? Did he obtain something through that login and password? So you're immediately, you know, your guard should be, you know, immediately up and you should be worried, yeah. frankly, is what the bad guys are hoping that you, you know, that you, how you react. Yeah, I want to talk about that reaction because to me, it seems like we see this in other parts of our lives, right? If, if, if fear jumps in, logic goes away. And so if you're opening up an email and it says, hey, I, I've, I've got your password, I know your login, I have this compromising information, unless you're able to just sort of dismiss out of hand, they can't have any compromising videos of me or images because there are none, 
right? But but if you if you've got any type of sort of trigger or your guilty conscience there where you could say that could be real, exactly, fear jumps in. I think what's happening is, um, of the of the hundreds of complaints that we got uh, in July and August, very little of those uh, victims, if we want to call them victims, mm-hmm. were worried at all because. You know, 99.9% yeah. of them probably knew they hadn't been to any, like, you know, adult websites. Right. They hadn't done anything um, that would have embarrassed them, right, video-wise if it right. got out. But I think what's happening is, you know, the, the, the fraudsters in this case are hoping that if even half a percent of people regularly look at pornography on, on the Internet, and, you know, there's a chance that maybe – they were doing something yeah. that could embarrass them that might have been captured on on a webcam. Yeah, they're still playing the percentages into their favor in that situation. But I, I, I think it's important, this idea that, um, you know, you might open something up and if, if they can trigger fear with that initial email, they can say, I've got your username and password. It's right here. And I have something compromising on you. That's meant to click you over mentally from logic to, to fear, adrenaline kicks in, your vision narrows or whatever yeah. you say, oh my goodness, I have to fix this. And then you start making mistakes. You start, you, you start doing things that aren't logical in that process. Fear is a big part of what they're trying to kick in. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, you're going to want to fix that problem right away. And part of fixing that problem is basically paying the ransom. Yeah. Th- these emails aren't really just nicely or vaguely implying that you that they may have something on you right they're they're coming at you fairly aggressively maybe more aggressively than you've seen in other s- scams to say we've got you yes is is that one of the things that sets us apart yeah i think in, in this particular email that was sent out uh, again the subject line was the person's login mm-hmm. and the password and then they basically outline uh the the reason why they're contacting them is because um, they had been visiting a, an adult website, and when they arrived at that website, malware was able to jump onto their machine, which then activated their their um, webcam. The bad guy then goes in to say that hey, you did something you shouldn't sh- you shouldn't have done, yeah. and we've recorded it. I have a copy of it, so it really just walks them through exactly how it could be possible that this happened. Yeah. And then they simply say, you know, you're going to need to pay us a certain amount of money. Yeah. It's usually not a lot. Um, in some cases, it was a thousand dollars. In some cases, it was three hundred dollars. But but in the end, you know, they're asking for uh, a Bitcoin payment. Yeah. Is this? I, I think it'll be interesting to see over the next, say, five, ten, fifteen years, um, how these things continue to evolve. Because this sounds to me like, um, it sounds to me a lot like the telephone scams that everyone sort of rolls their eyes that, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, grandpa fell for that <laughs> sort yeah. of a thing. Like, well, they just called and said, you know, I, I get them, I, I still get two calls a day from some, you know, scam that says, hey, we've been trying to reach you about your car's warranty, or we need to talk to you about your credit card interest rate or payment, call us immediately, right? And so they're, it's really unsophisticated for some reason when it happens on the phone, I think, for most people who are, I don't know, say younger than 60 at this point. Right. But the computer still seems to be um, – there, there's that, that age group maybe shifts down 20 years for people who are still getting caught with this or, or are, are sort of rushed into thinking, oh, my gosh, something's gone wrong here and I need to react 
immediately. So I, one question I would have, how did you guys find out about this in the department, in the department of public safety? How, how did you find yeah, out? We about s- it? simply re- received uh, complaints via mm-hmm. both uh, phone, phone complaints yeah. as well as uh, tips to our tip yeah. line. People who recognize this for what it is, maybe who fall in that group who can say, I know they don't have anything on me. This is garbage. You guys should look into it. Exactly. And enough of those build up to where you guys look yeah. into it. Is, that, is, is there a volume to that? Do you have to sort of do – you, do you look into every one that comes sure. in complaint? Yeah, every time we see a complaint, yeah. we, we definitely – You don't want to wait for 30 people to be victimized right. or 100 exactly. people. There's not a tipping yeah. point for you. Yeah. And I think these, these scams did hit pretty hard pretty quick. Um, and in fact, uh, we think that there were uh, more uh, fraudsters committing this – the same type of scam um, – because some of the wording was different for for each right. uh, email that came in, and I think you know as the bad guys realized this this was a successful phishing campaign, more people kind of jumped on board, um, doing very similar uh, yeah. scams. When you get the word out publicly, I mean, this got some news coverage locally. Mm-hmm. Does that tend to turn the turn the heat up on them, and and so the scam goes away, or do they just keep? I think so. I yeah. think, yeah, I think as, as information is pushed, pushed out to the public, uh, you know, hopefully less people will fall for it. And, yeah, hopefully we can disrupt yeah. that uh, scam. So with this particular scam, what should people be looking for if something like this pops up in their email? What are the warning signs? What should raise the red flag? So um, obviously if you, if you get an email like this, I would always be suspicious. I would just assume things like this are a scam. Um, and then I would not communicate with, these bad guys before consulting law enforcement. I know you're going to want to try and fix the problem, um, at, but believe me, the best thing to do is consult law enforcement first so we can kind of look into it and vet the, vet the scam. Um, we also need to realize that uh, every one of us has had a login and a password compromised in some breach somewhere. And so don't be surprised if a bad guy does have your, your login and password. And so... Uh, also remember then that we need to change our passwords frequently, yeah. especially if there's a breach that we're aware of that, like, you know, if you, if you belong to some club somewhere and, and we know that, uh, you, or you were notified recently that your, your login, your password was, sure. was, uh, compromised, you need to change that password right away. Everything goes back. It's, it amazes me as we enter our second season of this podcast, so many problems are solved. By changing your password, by having complex passwords. Passwords protect so many things and prevent so many problems. Right. So if you were to gotten have you know received this email and you saw that they're using an old password that you used back in, you know, whatever, twenty fifteen, you can rest assured that this is old information and you really don't need to worry about it. We'll put a link to this story on our website uh, if you're just pulling this podcast down from iTunes or Google Play or wherever you may be listening to this fine podcast. You can go check out our website and uh, find the information there. Sergeant Jeff Plank from the Utah Department of Public Safety Cybercrime Unit, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. All right, as we wrap up today's show, we want to thank our presenting partners at Valcom. You can find them online at vlcmtech.com. We also want to thank our supporting partners, the University of Utah's Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute. That's where we recorded this show and where we do it each week. Our friends at Secuvant, not to mention our great partners at the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Utah Department of Public Safety, and the Utah Attorney General's Office. A reminder, you can find us online at cyber24.us or on Twitter 
at Cyber24 underscore, or on Facebook, just search Cyber24. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. I'm Marty Carpenter.